Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through Romans 12. Romans 11, 33 through 12. Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, please help us to give our lives to you because they are yours. That we may give to others all of the good that you have given to us. Thank you that we could all be here today. And thank you for this wonderful passage that Pastor Jamie has chosen to explain to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Rowan. And these guys, I think, are turning 18 or have turned 18? 18 in a week. 18 in a week, these two twins here. Hard to believe. Great to watch you guys grow and uh, find ways to serve the Lord. Before we get into our text this morning, um, there will be a Sunday uh, mother-daughter tea at 3 p.m. before the Sunday before Mother's Day. I've gotten that correctly here. That's what will be in the bulletin next week. But a mother-daughter tea, the Sunday before Mother's Day, 3 p.m. And then there's still room, I believe, Tim, to sign up for... The Police Citizens Academy that will uh, take take part here, take place here. Um, get the application. Applications are on the table over there. 
And there's a couple coffee mugs over there. One of them is a Yeti, and I'll take it home in a week if nobody claims it uh, over on that table. You want to say something, Tim? Go ahead. Yeah, about the Citizens Police Academy. If you guys are wanting to join, I need applications like before we leave today. We've got, we have two weeks before it starts, and I have to prepare for it. All right. So go grab one, fill it out during the sermon. I won't frown on you. And get, it to, get it to Tim here uh, ASAP. Um, and uh, then a, a couple other things here. Um, we There are some more directories on the table there. Uh, if you need a church directory, some updated. Some of them already need updating again because addresses change. It's amazing how quick that happens. But um, I mentioned to you the possibility of uh, replacing our playground and uh, looking at a playground as, as kind of using it for ministry uh, here as well as serving our own uh, growing kids here. Um, as, a, as a kind of a, a, a hub for, for meeting people in the community. Um, but we need some, uh, need some ideas. We need some people to, to help us scout out some stuff and make good and form-wide decisions. So if you'd like to uh, be a part of that, uh, or maybe you don't want to be a part of the team but you have some suggestions, go ahead and, and, and get that, especially if you're a parent. <laughs> um, that seems to be an important um, group to solicit here for ideas. Uh, here, some of you already mentioned because I, I talked about putting it um, a little close to the parking lot, so it's not as far and hidden back here. Um, some of you mentioned, well, if you're going to do that, you know, make sure you have a, a fence or something like that around. So, so good ideas uh, here. Uh, make sure you you um, you let myself know or Kathy Kellett know um, as we start to think through our options here. All right, so we're in Romans chapter 12 here, picking up on that great chapter. Uh, that we looked at last week for resurrection life here. Uh, spider webs, you all hate them when we walk into them or we see them in our, in our houses. Uh, but a single strand of spider silk is thinner than a human hair, but it's five times stronger than if you had steel of the same width there. Amazing, amazing stuff. If you, if you took a, a spider silk and you made a rope out of it, wound it two inches thick, it could stop a Boeing 747. That's how strong it would be here. On its own, it does very little. But bound together with one strand into many, uh, into a rope, it has incredible strength. And it's a wonderful illustration of what we're going to see here in Romans chapter 12. When we don't use our gifts, we're, we're, we're missing our strengths. We're missing the strength that can come from a team of oxen putting our shoulders to the harness. But it's deeper than that here. When we don't use our gifts to serve, Romans 12 says we're too proud. He gets right to it. When we don't use our gifts to serve, Romans 12 says we are too proud. And we'll explain that here in a minute. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere Christianity, which I have always heard talked about how wonderful it was but had never read and finally just finished it here uh, recently. But in chapter 8 of, of, that, of that book, uh, book the, the, the section 3 here, he identifies pride. Lewis talks about pride as one of the worst of all sins. And he says this, Pride has been the chief cause of misery in every nation, in every family, since the world began. And in that same part, he says that the solution to pride is not to be, and you might hear his British accent in this quote here, uh, quote, a greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is a nobody. 
Instead, the solution, the truly humble person will be cheerful, giving little, if any, thought to self at all, one way or the other. And if you read his screw tape letters, which is kind of a, uh, a story about um, life from the evil one's perspective here, he emphasizes a lot of the same thing. Let me, let me share that with you again. If, and probably we can agree with that, that pride is at the root of, 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 of our world's problems, ultimately here. But he says the solution to pride is not to be a greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, I'm a nobody. Instead, the truly humble person will be cheerful, giving little, if any, thought to self at all, one way or the other. You see, pride has it, 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 pride can be on, on, in two ditches of the road here. Oh, I'm no good, which actually is a subtle form of pride because of what God's made you and what he's made you to be. Or the other one, oh, I'm too good. <laughs> right? Usually we think of that side. Now, Paul's already addressed pride in Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, when he's talked about someone who have a much more of a higher estimate of themselves than they need to. And in Romans 2, he says, And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? He's talking about those who look down on people. And then, in actuality, they're hypocrites because they do the same. And then in Romans chapter 11, he, he, he says uh, in verse 20 and 21, this. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spare not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Because at its core, Rome is a letter written to a church, church, house churches in Rome, to show them about the pride that was going in their hearts when some of these cultures were clashing with Jew and Gentile, and things that needed to change. In this passage today, he's bringing it now to an application of what new life in Romans 12, 1 and 2, living sacrifices, looks like. And here's what he's going to show us here. You see, if we think too highly of ourselves and we don't use our gifts, here's some of the pain points that can happen. It can make you spiritually fat. Uh, it can clog the arteries of your spiritual hearts. And when you withhold your gifts, it puts extra stress on others. It can also keep others from the care they need from your gift contributing. And as a whole, it handicaps the body. Think about if you had something on your body that wasn't functioning. It affects the rest of the body. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12. And because it does, then it will shrink Jesus' bride's growth. And ultimately, it will affect our ability to reach the lost. And so I want you to think about it like this. When we don't exercise our, our gifts in the body, we are setting ourselves up for a spiritual heart attack. We are missing out on eternal rewards that we may regret. We will tend to become more critical and bitter. It is true that some of the loudest complaints come from the cheapest seats. It can make others exhaust themselves on your behalf. It can cripple the body's function. 
It shrivels our growth as a church, and ultimately it will impact our ability negatively to work and build with Jesus here, his kingdom here in Knox County. So here's the good news. The Bible's good news here. The word of God, through this letter Paul wrote to the Roman house churches, heals this and can set us on a proper course. And so what we need to see from Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 3 through 8 is this. Out of God's mercy, take a serious look at yourself as a living sacrifice and launch out. As a transformed and renewed person in new life, launch out. Launch out. Notice we looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2, but this is the basis for it here. He says, I'm begging you, I'm urging, I'm exhorting you, brethren. We saw that last week. What's the, what's the basis? By the mercies of God. The mercies of God. Rowan read 11:33 through 36, where Paul sums up these mercies of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Out of this, that you what? That you don't sit still here and say, wow, God was really merciful to me. But because God was really merciful to me, I present my bodies now a living, surrendered sacrifice. A living sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? Well, one that's holy and acceptable to God. It's in conformity. It's in line with God's word here. Why? Because it's only the rational thing to do. It, it only makes sense. God has poured this out on us, this blessing, so we are to bless others. And this is what we saw last week. Now, what is this going to look like? It's going to look like not copying the values of what the world holds dearly, that the Bible says are going to pass away, but being transformed, metamorphosized, by renewing your mind, drinking in the Word of God and His will here, for what reason? So that you can prove, that you can test, that you can show yourself in the world that God's will is perfect. It is good. And it is worth accepting as a living sacrifice. So that's what he, where he's bringing us here, which leads us to this point here. Out of God's mercy to you, take a serious look at yourself. Is what Paul's saying here. As a living sacrifice and launch. You might say, well, I don't always feel like it. And that's the problem. Because Paul's going to say here in verse 3, stop thinking about yourself. Um, think of God's glory and his mission and others. The uh, I was listening to a... Um, a Bible counselor who does a, did a lot of counseling work in the Chicago area here, and uh, one of a lot of his clients um, were were wealthy Chicago wives who really battled depression. And as he worked through the scriptures to show them where to find hope and change, one of the practical things he had them do was a lot of these uh, wealthy uh, Chicago wives who lived on the on the edges of Lake Michigan there to go work in a homeless shelter. To go labor for people who weren't in their social class. To go give of themselves to other people. And when they did that, and when they engaged, their, 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 their eyes began to turn in a healthy way toward serving other people. You might say, well, I don't have much to give. Well, Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, To every man, to each of you that is among you, so everybody has a contribution. God has given each of us abilities and gifts to contribute here as a part of a whole. I say, well, I don't have the perfect situation. 
<coughs> and that's actually true of all of us on some kind of a level. There will never be a perfect situation. But there has to be something in some way for every believer to serve the Lord. And say, so, well, what do you do if you're on a hospital bed and you're on, on oxygen, etc.? Well, that's the wonderful thing about our relationship with the Lord. It's invisible. And we are always communing to the Lord. And I know people who can't even get out of their house, but they have an incredible ministry of intercession, of prayer. So there is a, there is a, 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 there is a truth here that out of God's mercy to us, we're going to take a serious look here at ourselves as a living sacrifice and watch. Look what he says in verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Take a serious look. Word, I, that, that word soberly, the thing soberly. Uh, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Here's what I want you to see this morning here. First of all, I think what you need to do is grab a hold of mercy. Grab a hold of mercy. If in your mind you're thinking, I'm going to hold back, I'm going to hold back, I'm not going to find ways to serve the body, to serve for Jesus' kingdom here, you, you really aren't understanding mercy. There's something missing there. There's a disconnect here. I want you to think about this. God spoke to Abraham 4,000 years ago. A Middle Eastern man in the city of Ur. And he said, I want you to be a nomad here. And I'm going to call you out of your country. And I mean, you're going to go to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the address on Google Maps here. I'm just going to show you as you go. And I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And out of you, you're going to bless all the nations through your descendants. And God works that promise plan all the way out through the Old Testament to the nation of Israel. But Israel keeps failing. But God says there's going to be a descendant who's going to be perfect on their behalf. And he gives them the Redeemer, the Messiah. Through Abraham, and then through Judah, and then through David's line, etc. And what we have here is the Messiah Jesus that we spoke about with the death, burial, and resurrection last week. Now, we're 2,000 years removed from that. And guess what? God put you in there. That's mercy. That's mercy. When you heard the gospel, you responded to the gospel. He brought you out of slavery to sin and certain death. To freedom in Christ without guilt and shame. To become vessels of glory and honor. To shine. Created in Christ Jesus under good works. His masterpiece, Ephesians tells us. That produce and receive eternal rewards for their service to the King. So grab a hold of mercy. God did that for you. How can we say no? And, this is contrary to our American culture, but you don't belong to yourself. You don't change your stars and destiny like the songs say here to become the world that you want to create. Jesus does that. And one of the things he does when he saved you, he brought you into a community of believers. He didn't tell you to go live on top of a mountain all by yourself. Because how would you obey most of the New Testament commands with the one another's name, right? So you belong to us. <laughs> you belong to us, not yourself. So grab a hold of mercy. 
And so he says in verse 3, through the grace given unto me, this, 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 this apostleship I have here, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That happens when we understand that anything that happens to us is better than we deserve. It's mercy. But to think soberly, seriously, according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. So the second thing here, under out of God's mercy, you take a serious look of yourself, is to take an appraisal. Take an appraisal. What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are the things you do well and are motivated, have a high motivation, a spirit-motivated uh, motivation to do? And what are the things that, frankly, you're not gifted for? If there was anybody in here who was omnicompetent, it would mean we would, you wouldn't need Jesus. And it would mean that you wouldn't need each other. But God's given you each specific strengths, interests, and abilities that you're to harness for the kingdom of God. He's going to talk about some of those, a sampling of those here. But what are your strengths and weaknesses? Think of Moses, right? Moses. God says, I'm going to take you and I'm going to, you're going to be the people who lead the, people, the, the, the Israelites out of the promised land. And Moses has all kinds of excuses, Right? He says, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go to Pharaoh? And what does the Lord say to Moses? First of all, he says, I am. So look at me. Get your eyes on me. And then he says, what? What's in your hand? A piece of wood. <laughs> Throw down that piece of wood. See what I'm going to do with that. The staff. What's in your hand? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Maybe here's a question to ask. What's a wholesome thing that you enjoy doing that you can do for the kingdom? Make something last for eternity. It could be a hobby. A particular skill. A particular joy. Grab a hold of mercy. Take an appraisal of your life. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but... Think seriously, think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given you a capacity to serve his kingdom. To serve his kingdom. To put it this way here. Paul says, don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God's given us. And then thirdly, the last point here. Do it with servant joy. Do it with servant joy. I want you to turn very quickly with me over, and I want you to see this in Deuteronomy chapter 28, please. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. It's a long chapter. I want to look at two verses. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 and 48. God's giving them commands as they're on the edge of the Jordan River, ready to go to the promised land. And, and uh, Deuteronomy 28, 47, he says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, he's saying, warning, when you go to the promised land, and you, use it, you lose the joy of the relationship with God, here, this is what's going to happen. 
Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart, for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee, in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until it destroy thee. In other words, for application for today, God highly values serving him with joy. Have you ever had somebody serve you, but you knew they were not doing it joyfully? Perhaps a medical professional, or perhaps a restaurant waiter, or perhaps a, a car repair, you name it. An employee or employer, a family member, people who serve but not for joy. Oh yeah, they were taking care of you, but you knew they didn't want to do it. What does that feel like? And think about our God who's poured out this mercy on us. And we're like, oh, I've got to do that. Or I don't feel like it. Servant joy. Now think about in Jesus' parable there of the men with the talents, the servants with the talents. One buried it, right? That didn't make the master very happy. And others used what they had, right? And they did it with joy. So this is what happened with it. This is the return we got from it. And there's joy. And in fact, in one of those parables, the master says, enter now into the joy of my kingdom. There's, a, there's, a, there's an eternal joy connected with this here. Now he's going to list some of these gifts here. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, same function here, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member is one of another. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, and he's going to throw out some. And by the way, I personally don't believe the gift list and the New Testament are exhaustive. I think they're representative here. Um, but he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, and let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Reach your potential there with it. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with, with simplicity, a, a focus, a sincerity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness here. So here's what he's saying here. As he gives these examples here, the gift of prophecy which probably could be boiled down to calling one another to God's truth and love, then prophesies a living sacrifice in joy for King Jesus. If you have to get the service, ministry here, it's the word that we get our, uh, word, our title deacon from here. Then serve one another as a living sacrifice in joy for King Jesus. If you have the gift of teaching, then teach as a living sacrifice what God means in his word and joy to one another for King Jesus. If the gift of exhortation, which means the idea of coming alongside of, it's, it's a word that's even used in the Holy Spirit, the comforter here, and encouraging people to come under the will of God. Do it as a living sacrifice for King Jesus. Enjoy. Ex uh, sharing resources, giving. Sharing resources to one another. Do it as a living sacrifice, he says here, with simplicity. It's the idea in simple goodness, without strings attached, 
without wrong motives and sincerity for King Jesus and joy. You have the gift of, of, of leading or ruling there, administrating or managing. Then do it with eagerness, he says, and joy for King Jesus. If you have the gift of mercy, showing mercy, showing compassion to others, to one another, do it cheerfully as a living sacrifice, the joy for King Jesus. Ephesians 4 tells us that all of us have gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us this. Romans 12 tells us this. And whatever it is, these things that God has given you, you have authority and you have permission from King Jesus, who has ascended on high as the victorious king, and he has showered gifts on his free children who were once slaves to destruction and death to unleash what he gave us to build with him and his bride. Figure out what that is. Figure out what that is. If you're stuck and you need to talk and process or poke around in how God designed you, that's part of what my job is. Help people find their calling and do it for the kingdom. Don't make it hard. What are you waiting for, right? Here is what Paul's saying. And why does he write this to these group of people? Because they were looking on people who were different than them and holding back in pride. They were looking at people and saying, they're not worthy of this. Or I'm better than they are. And do you know that can happen in our own hearts, can it? The way we categorize people like the world does. The way we keep people. Jesus doesn't want that. And so Paul writes this and says, grab the mercy of God. Evaluate your hearts. Put them on Jesus and his service for you. And assess your strengths and abilities. And then unleash what God's given you for others in Jesus' name. Figure out what that is. Find it and do it for God's glory. So what have we seen here in Romans 12, 3-8? Well, in summary, when you don't exercise your gifts to the body, you're setting yourself up for a spiritual heart attack. You're missing out on eternal rewards. But I think one day you'll regret. You wish you had. You can become critical and bitter. Very easy to. When you become like the Dead Sea with things just pouring into you but not putting out, you become stagnant, critical and bitter. You can make others exhaust themselves on your behalf and cripple the body's function, shrivel our growth as a church, and ultimately impact our ability to impact Jesus' kingdom here in our community. But by looking at yourself as a living sacrifice who has been blessed by God to bless others, there's tremendous power. In 2014, Took a little break through going through the book of Luke and went through Romans chapter 12 and a little bit more in detail about these specific gifts here, um, which is helpful in some ways, but in another way, uh, I, I, I think that's not Paul's point here. Maybe there's one of these gifts that you naturally gravitate toward, but I think his point is go full bore for Christ's glory in what he designed you. Unleash what God gave you to build with him and his bride.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, your word is simple and clear. We don't really have to scratch our heads to see what your word here says. It's very clear this morning. Lord, again, I pray that it wouldn't be just more information for us. It wouldn't be more food dumped on us that will sit and rot in our refrigerator. The things that will be put to use in practice. I pray that your spirit would stir our hearts to really evaluate your mercy, to evaluate our lives in light of that, to not think of ourselves too highly, or to think of ourselves in an ungodly evaluation of ourselves with or not been given anything, but to respond as a living sacrifice to you. Thank you for your resurrection that gives us a new life. Your cross that canceled out the power of sin upon us, stomped the head of the serpent, broke the shackles, removed our guilt and shame, and set us free to love and serve our saving King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah.